would say, okay, well, Tesla's coming in, who are Tesla's suppliers? Who, who services Tesla that needs to be near them and needs to be nearby? And to your point, you know, also in terms of the neighborhood that where if Tesla is, is looking in a certain neighborhood, then then who's in that neighborhood and maybe is ready to sell or willing to sell because, you know, time timing is everything in, in, in our business. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui. You know, today I get to interview uh, someone that's really, really interesting. He comes from Quebec. So Luciano DiOrio is Managing Director at Cushman and Wakefield. And I think a lot of you guys know Cushman and Wakefield is, is primarily or only a commercial you know, real estate broker. I'm hoping to talk to Luciano today about you know, what's happening up in Canada, what's happening in, in Quebec. We'll talk a little bit about the three you know, asset classes that are the primary ones that they focus on and his journey from, you know, do, being an agent, being a broker to being the managing director. So Luciano, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah, the glad we could make it. So the, so you're up in Montreal. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what's life like in Montreal right now uh, with everything? Are people back to work? You know, are we, you know, what, what's everything like? So actually, this week, I'm pretty excited because we've actually opened up our office on Monday, and uh, we're basically operating at 25% of our employees. And um, so basically, the rest of the gang is still working from home, and uh, we are uh, ready to go within our guidelines. Uh, we've been working hard over the last uh, couple of months to, for a re-entry and a proper re-entry and a safe re-entry. So, uh, so this week on Monday was our first, was our first day back back into sort of the new normal, if we can call it that. Montreal in general, so, you know, we've, we've been hit hard. We've been one of the uh, hardest hit cities in Canada with, uh, with COVID-19. Uh, a lot of our seniors, unfortunately, uh, were struck by, by this, uh, by this uh, virus. And so our provincial government, so, you know, which is equivalent to your state government, our, our, uh, our premier basically uh, had us on lockdown beginning in March, March 13th. And now slowly we're starting to reopen. So shopping malls reopened on, uh, I believe it was the 22nd of June. Uh, sorry, the 19th of June, 22nd of June was food courts and uh, non-essential, in non-essential businesses and offices, I think are, are kind of taking a, a, an approach of a staggered approach. So we are deemed an essential service. So we were back in op- we could have been back in operation in mid-May. And uh, of course, like I said, we wanted to be ready and make sure that our employees were safe and that we, we felt comfortable before coming in. So which is why uh, we came in on the 29th of June. So it's been a, it's been a long, it's been a long haul. Yeah, the when well, it sounds like, you know, I, I live in Austin, Texas, and Texas started reopening you know, six weeks ago. Uh, probably. So it was, you know, mid-May restaurants started to open, we could start to go out again and, and do some normal things. And right now we're, you know, starting to lock down a little bit more again. So the, it's kind of reversing some of those actions. Uh, so I was really glad, you know, six weeks ago we could go out and the, and you guys have taken, you know, kind of an extra pause. And so I guess the future will tell us what are the best methods with, with all of this. When, when you say 25% of the people 
at the office. So is that a, is that something that your company is doing or is it yes. still a state man? So you guys just decide, Hey, we'll, we'll let 25% come back in. That'll keep everybody safe. Everybody else will work from home. Exactly. And, 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 and that's a maximum of 25%. So not all days we have 25% of the people in, and there are some people that have decided not to come in. And if they do decide to come in because they've got to pick up a, a laptop or they've got to pick up, you know, some sort of a document, then uh, we arrange it that they, they are in as long as they're not exceeding the 25%. So we're really trying to monitor things, make sure that everything, you know, that everybody is safe and everybody's okay before we, before we go out there. And of course, our business exposes us to a lot, a lot of people. Um, so we, yeah. you know, we're on tours and things. So it's interesting because I started an industry group um, a couple of weeks back with uh, fellow brokers of competitive firms and also uh, major investor landlords in the city in terms of how did we want to reopen things as we were going to come out of deconfinement. It's interesting because we're, we take it for granted to show space. So we're used to showing, uh, doing office tours and, and showing space in an office building. Now, of course, if elevator access is restricted and you know, you've got to jump from one building to another, you, you want to make sure that uh, you're not um, impeding on the uh, normal operation that the building, building has for its own tenants. So we've actually uh, worked with the landlords and said, look, if you want us to come in and do office tours sort of after hours or before operating hours, and that'll alleviate your stress on your elevators, then, then we're happy to do that. So it was interesting to see how, how we came together as a community to, uh, to make sure that we're up and running and, and, and as smooth as we can be. To adjust. So for people that have never been to Montreal, the what what U.S. city is it most like? So you got you're you're pretty close to New York, right? You know, across the border, a, a drive, and maybe that's why Montreal was so hard hit because New York was definitely hard hit. Yep. Uh, but what how how would you describe it compared to any U.S. cities? I would say it's a mix of uh, Austin, believe it or not, in terms of the just the uh, the live uh, music scene and just the the the, the general eclectic uh, eclectic mix that you have in Austin. Okay. Uh, certainly a, a mix of uh, New York. We're about 3.5 million people, 4 million people in the greater Montreal area. So we compare, uh, you know, Boston, I would say, is kind of, uh, although big rivals on the hockey side, but, uh, yeah. but probably closest to, to Boston in terms of uh, look and feel. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So 
We slashed the prices because we know right now is a time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure, like, there's a lot of different courses you want, maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. So that's, you know, so that Montreal, uh, you know, we, we are 45 minute drive to the U.S. border to New York State. And in the past, our past, certainly, certainly at the beginning of the 19th century, uh, there were a lot of, uh, you know, families that had investments in, in, uh, in Montreal uh, from New York and New York families that were involved in, in Montreal and vice versa. So, and I think it's still the, still the case that connection between Montreal and, and New York is, is very big. And anywhere you know, east, east coast, and eastern, uh, northeastern U.S. for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about commercial real estate. So there, there have been a lot of different reports out here that kind of break down performance levels and hospitality. And, and it was a you know statistic that came out of uh, how many people were in default, right? And so the hospitality industry were the most amount of loans that were that were in default. And so hospitality is like hotels and things like that. You know, that commercial asset class is taking a really big hit in the U.S. Uh, it's over 30% aren't paying their, their mortgage right now mm-hmm. and are, are in some form of a default, which is pretty major. And then there was also the other kind of office classes were, well, uh, commercial class were office space. So office space where people like you, you know, you have your office there and people just go to work. Um, and then retail where, you know, businesses go and that could be restaurants and things like that. So there's a lot of different kind of outcomes. And some of the office retail you know, results that we've seen here definitely depend on the area. Right. Hospitality right. across the U.S. is hurting, um, but office and retail, depending on the city, is hurting in different versions and, you know, in strip malls and things like that, you know, especially where they're, they have a couple of restaurant anchor tenants. What have you seen so far due to COVID in that market? And what do you think is going to happen across those three markets? Yeah, so if I look at, so hospitality, we haven't, you know, and I'd have to look at uh, what our latest studies are. So uh, admittedly, I haven't, I haven't seen what, what we've done, but I can tell you anecdotally what I'm seeing in Montreal. Montreal has been known as a festival town, a bit of a party town, uh, certainly in the summer. And we have uh, a few big events in Montreal that make, make or break it for most uh, hotels and restaurants. And that's the Grand Prix, Formula One Grand Prix, which is, a, you know, an international event which draws uh, certainly billions of spectators on television, but, you know, millions of dollars into the city over a weekend in June. That was canceled. They're talking about uh, maybe having it in June, in, uh, sorry, in October, but those are right now, they're not confirmed reports. And I, I highly doubt that there would be any attendance um, at that event. I think it'll just it'll kind of just run it on the tracks without, without any spectators. So the Grand Prix is a big event. The Jazz Festival is a big event. That's something that's been going on for thir- over 30 years in, in Montreal, and that happens during the summer, uh, around this time, actually. Uh, so that's been canceled. And then we have the Just for Last Festival. So those are three big events that draw people from across North America and, uh, and certainly from, uh, you know, from, from the U.S. Into, into Montreal. That Unfortunately, those hotels and restaurants are not getting any of that revenue. So 
the restaurants are hurting. The restaurants were uh, actually allowed to open their in-dining rooms uh, as of uh, last week. Some of them just weren't ready, so they're opening up this week. So it'll be interesting to see on how that on how that goes down. In terms of offices, you know, some office, most office buildings were still fully operational and allowing their tenants to come in and out of the building from a, from a um, from a landlord perspective, but you know, we heard at the beginning from our landlord clients that uh, our investor clients, they said that some of the client, that some of the tenants were calling them for some sort of a rental break. So some some landlords gave some rental breaks, and they said, you know, just pay the operating expenses or taxes uh, and taxes rather, uh, and not pay the net rent. Uh, some others, uh, you know, insisted that uh, you know full payment was uh, was due. Uh, some were getting a break on on certain things like uh, you know uh, cleaning and parking and so on because obviously if people are not there then you know there's those fees don't have to be uh, it, it taken but the office side actually wasn't it wasn't so bad now what um, what we are hearing from the investor clients is that there is a government program in Canada uh, by the federal government that's basically helping pay for rents so um, the government kicks in 25%, the tenant kicks in 25%, sorry, the, the, the tenant kicks in 25%, the landlord kicks in 25%, and the federal government kicks in 50%. So that's, that looks like that's going to be uh, renewed now as a program uh, for July. Don't know what it's going to look like for August, but since the pandemic hit, that program has been in place. So That's uh, for... That's for office space or commercial it, or? tenant. Yeah, commercial tenants. So either you know office or retail, anyone who has to pay has to pay rent. And that that program also, it's interesting because I have a hard time keeping an, up on it because at one point uh, the building that you were in had to have a mortgage, and then they they changed that and said no, you don't have to have a mortgage. It's it's open. You know, it's open to to anybody. Uh, so that's constantly evolving, but. Uh, right now, we're seeing that uh, the federal government is going to uh, give a helping hand to uh, to uh, you know retailers and to office tenants and, and and industrial tenants. So any any commercial tenant, they're they're getting a break. That is, you know, that is very different in Canada than it is in the U.S. right now. The there are there is stimulus out here, and there's been some different things, but no nothing that's been long lasting specifically for that. So we've had you know PPP. Uh, where people could get you know, a certain amount of money to pay payroll. And some of that, right. was, a portion of it could be used to cover rent. But we have seen a huge decrease in office usage in Austin, right? right. And then have you seen any, uh, some of the big companies here, Facebook, Twitter, companies like that have now announced that people can work from home forever. You know, right. a certain percentage of people could be, you know, and, and they were going to change the, their pay and they were going to do some different things based on whether they worked from home or not but that everyone was going to be allowed to work from home. That instantly to me says that is going to dramatically impact office mm -hmm. space uh, because even if there was stimulus, the big company like, like them would realize, hey, we only need half the space we, we, we needed before. Have you seen anything like that in Canada? Do you think, do you think it's going to happen? And, and what do you think the long-term outlook of, of businesses like that that are saying, hey, you can work from home now? So, so we have seen that in, in Canada and uh, we think we think as that, you know, there's going to be some companies, no, they were doing it before, right? Before the pandemic, there were some companies that said, you know, we're going to allow our employees to work from home and we're going to set up hoteling in our, in our office space, you know, our workplace. We're going to, we're going to provide you with um, a space if you want to come in, but if not, you're going to be, you'll work from home. And so we saw that transition uh, pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, but 
I have to say that there's going to be some companies that are, they, it just it just won't fly, um, and it won't fly because I look at how much money we spend as corporations on trying to uh, build culture and build teams, and you know, and so right now the beauty of work everyone working from home is we are all working from home and we're kind of we're all in the same boat or we're all in the same storm however you want to however you want to describe that but the moment that some people are going to start working from the office and some people are going to work from home i think it's going to make an for an interesting dynamic and i and i don't want to play psychologist or sociologist but just being a, a manager of a, of a team of people I think that there's there's people in my team that want to stay connected to to the corporation and they and they see that a, a physical place is important. Also, in, and maybe it's not so much in the brokerage world because everybody kind of is an entrepreneur. But in a situation where you're trying to kind of go up the corporate ladder, I have a hard time seeing somebody working from home sort of you know progress, let's say, in the in the corporate ladder because at one point it, it's the law of you know see and be seen and it's the law of uh, you know if you're not in someone's face you're going to be forgotten and i think that it's for companies where it's important a corporate culture is important where there's team you know a team spirit and a team building that's important i think they're going to see have a hard time with uh, with everybody working from home and we saw that it, it, um, earlier i guess maybe about five or ten years ago i'm forgetting which company it was but it was a big a big tech company that had people working from home and then realized yeah, this isn't working anymore. So for some, it'll work. For others, uh, I think that they're, they're going to want to uh, have a mix and a, and a hybrid. Will we be in the office five days a week? I don't think we were in the office five days a week prior to this. I think there's some people that, for whatever reason, you know, the dirty little secret was that they were waiting for a delivery at home. And so they said, well, today I'm going to work from home. And you don't have this in Austin, but... Um, but in Montreal, we in the winter, some our winters are pretty rough, and we've get you know we get some big snowstorms, and so when there's a snowstorm coming in, most people decide to work from home on a on a day of a snowstorm because just between traffic and coming in and out of the city, it, it becomes almost impossible and you and not productive. So, so that's what that's what we're seeing we're seeing right now. It's interestingly enough, we have a very strong tech sector in Montreal that's uh, based on uh, artificial intelligence. There was just a, a group out of um, New York that announced uh, just this week that they're going to be taking uh, almost uh, 30,000 square feet to 400 employees. Uh, that they're backed by SoftBank out of the U.S. and they're coming into Montreal in, in a big way and they're, and, they're committing to, and they're committing to a lease in Montreal in the middle of a pandemic. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. Now, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you wanna check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. 
look at courses you can find the six steps for seven figures book and really there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too our normal prices used to be fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars a course these are real deal professional courses but now uh, during quarantine a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks 95 bucks so we've slashed the prices so we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do and if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we've ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. That is really interesting. And so, and then one of the differences, so right now as people are looking at kind of where to invest and, you know, I've seen Canadian investors invest in the, in the U S for like, you know, flips and things like that, because they say, Hey, if I make $20,000 in the U S it's really like making 25,000 here, right? Because in Canada and vice versa. And I guess the other side of that too, is if you are, uh, you know, if you're in the U S and you're investing American dollars up in Canada, the exchange rate's like 1.3 or 1.4. And so if you know, a million dollars US buys you something for 1.4 up in Canada, something like that. Does, that. does that come into play a lot for investors that cross the border back and forth? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, certainly the uh, the dollar right now, our, our dollar is weaker to uh, the US, the Canadian dollar is weaker to the US dollar. So definitely there's some deals to be had in, in Canada just based on the exchange rate. Uh, now, of course, there's different, there's other other things that factor in, and there's taxes, and there's uh, there's also some language language barriers. Certainly, if you're doing business in Quebec, but in general, uh, you know, money will follow where it can it can grow. And and right now, our markets in across Canada, but especially in Montreal, have been undervalued. Uh, we never really built on spec in Montreal when it came to office space or industrial space. We never really built on spec, so so the demand the demand was very high coming into um, coming into COVID back in March, and the supply was low. If I think of the on the industrial side, we still have some older buildings that don't have the clear heights, you know, the 18 foot ceilings and and so on. Which, uh, for the benefit of people listening here, an 18 foot ceiling on an industrial building is obsolete today because of the way we store the, the way we store things in warehousing and so on. Uh, you want 24, 28, uh, sometimes even 32 foot clear uh, so that you can palletize um, in, in a warehouse. So, you know, those are those don't exist as existing buildings uh, or, I mean, there are, but certainly, the, you know, the demand is higher than the supply. So you've got to build. And that's what we're seeing right now is, uh, especially on the industrial side, uh, in Montreal, the market's on, on fire. And the market's on, and Toronto and Vancouver, similar situations where, uh, there is demand uh, for for that type of space. You mentioned language, so the uh, yeah, Montreal mostly French. Montreal is mostly French. So if you if you're opening up a business here, as an example, I always used to like I always like to use these two examples. One is Kentucky Fried Chicken. So um, KFC in in Quebec is PFK, and the PFK means Poulet Free Kentucky. It means the same. It means the same thing, except we brand it as PFK. So if your listeners are looking for uh, KFC in Quebec, that's what they've got to look for PFK instead. And uh, yeah. the other thing is, 
Hollywood films, Hollywood blockbuster films, whenever there's a big blockbuster film, so I always use this as an example, is the Star Wars uh, series. So if Star Wars were to launch a movie on uh, May 4th around the globe, it would have to be dubbed in French first before launching in, in, um, in Quebec. And so that, that basically is, um, uh, it's a law, but it's also respectful of the fact, I mean, there's over 80% of, of the people in Quebec are, are French speakers and, and French uh, uh, in native native tongue. So uh, certainly that's, um, you have to know your market wherever you are. So um, if you're doing business in Quebec, you certainly want to have uh, uh, a knowledge of French or at least have people on your staff that are that are knowledgeable in French. Yeah, so, the, so how did you get into real estate? Uh, graduated from McGill University at the age of 23. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I saw this as a good way of being an entrepreneur without uh, having less, kind of having less risk. Uh, because, you know, if you open up a retail outlet, you have to rent space, you've got to pay rent, you've got to stock the store, you've got to, um, you know, hire employees. Um, and you haven't made a dime yet. And, you know, most businesses, they say it takes about five years for it to start making money. So I saw real estate as a good way of being your own boss, being, you know, in control of, of your own situation and relatively, uh, you know, low barrier of entry. Um, so that's, that was it. I was 23 years old. I, I didn't know a square foot from a square peg. But, and here we are. Okay. So did, did you start in commercial? I did right out of uh, right out of school. I didn't want to do residential because I felt that I wanted to have um, I really wanted to control my my hours. You know, sort of. I didn't want to get involved in a business that would allow you know have me working until 10 p.m. at night and on weekends. And so nights and weekends, I really wanted to use to do philanthropic work, to do other things that that interest me. And I felt that residential, although I probably would have been. You know, I would have done well in it, um, and I respect a lot of the uh, my colleagues who, who do that because uh, I think it's it's a grind. It certainly is a grind. But I I, I fell in love with uh, the business to business aspect of uh, commercial real estate. Yeah, I, I have I have never heard somebody bring up the kind of the difference between commercial and residential as the hours that you get to work. But it's a great point because the in commercial you are dealing with people that are mostly working during business hours and business things and, and showing stuff at those times and and with residential it is primarily different it's primarily when people aren't working so it's primarily you know evening work and and weekend work and it and it definitely is different so that's an interesting perspective for listeners out there you know when you're thinking about the differences between you know, commercial and residential so Luciano how did you do your first year you know, so when you when you got into it, did you make any money your first year are, in commercial? Are you checking my tax? Are you checking my income yeah. tax? I hear, I, I hear, I hear so that much people are not allowed to, to reveal. Yeah. So, people are not allowed to reveal tax uh, tax papers, but so I made nine thousand uh, dollars in the first year. That's what it said in what we call our T four here in in uh, in Canada. Basically, I made more money working part time and going to university. Uh, than I did in the first year in real estate. And that's $9,000 Canadian, which is, I don't know, five bucks US or something like it. So it was- <laughs> So you were working, working full-time that year and, the, and just didn't have a whole lot of financial success. Yeah, truthfully, I was working half the year because from, from, January, till, from January till May, I was, working, uh, I was working and I was going to get my license. So I was making sure that I was uh, um, licensed. So- there were certain things I couldn't do without a license, so I had to be very careful. But, uh, but 
you know, at the end of the year, I started in January of 1999, and at the end of the year, my T4 said nine thousand dollars. Um, so how'd you how'd you do on year two? Year two, I made about uh, forty-five thousand okay. dollars, and then year three, I got into the six figures and started making some uh, some some serious uh, money uh, enough to for me to buy my first investment property. I bought a, a four a fourplex a four four units. And that was actually I bought a fourplex before I bought a car. So yeah. I didn't have a car, but I had I had I owned a fourplex. Don't ask me how I got to the fourplex, but um. so that's how you end up paying your car payment later. Is you get the you get the fourplex and the rent buys your car. Exactly. The, uh, so first year nine thousand, second year forty five thousand. By your third year, you were starting to realize that you can make some money and have a good high good paying career. What did you learn those first few years? What did we? You know, how did you get from zero to nothing? And if you were going to redo it, what would you have done different? You know what? I think I would have been, uh, if I were to redo it, I'd be less afraid. Um, you know, there was a fear of, uh, certainly when I didn't have the license, you know, it was a fear of getting caught, was a fear of also a bit of a fear of a re- rejection because our business, you're calling, you know, out of the hundred phone calls you make to business owners, 90 of them are going to tell you to go away and 10 of them are going to listen to you. And so my pool of calls were in places where I thought I can get a yes, but the yeses were on, on, uh, you know, on small transactions. So if I were to do things differently, I would say, you know what, the calls are the same, the time, the amount of time that we spend are the same. We've all been given 24 hours in a day, right? That's what makes us all equal. So how I use those 24 hours and how I guess I'd be smarter. I'd be smarter in which pool or which pond I'd be fishing in. So that's, I would say that would be my advice would be, you know, uh, let's do it differently by being smarter about uh, searching for uh, searching for prospects and searching for clients. So commercial prospecting, the so if, if somebody came to you right now and they said, "Hey, I want to I want to get involved in commercial real estate. How do I get my first clients?" What would you tell them? I would say uh, a few things, and uh, we're luckier today than we were in 1999 because that you know the search engines are more powerful uh, and information is readily accessible. Back back in 99, which is not doesn't sound like that much that long ago, we were still using yellow pages and we were still using you know paper lists and stuff to find to find people. So my advice would be number one is start your day by uh, keeping up to date with news and finding out what's going on in terms of news. I'll give you an example. Right now, during COVID, a lot of people are investing, you know, a lot of the businesses have to get plexiglass. So one of the questions that I would say to a a young broker is, think about that story that you read in the paper about how businesses are getting plexiglass. For us as brokers, I want to see who are the people that are supplying plexiglass. These people may may have issues because... Their warehouses, you know, they either they can't keep up, they're going to need more space. And so when I read a story in the paper, I read it diagonally. And I try to look at the beyond the story because most people will read that and say, oh, well, okay, well, people need to get plexiglass. That's great. When I read it as a real estate broker, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, there may be a problem there. This person is obviously being inundated with orders they're probably going to have to open up a second plant or they're going to have to open up something, you know, something They may have a real estate problem. They may be running into a real estate problem and vice versa. People that said, uh, you know, at one point we heard that restaurants were uh, storing their chairs and their tables off site 
because they needed, you know, they weren't allowed to open unless, you know, they, they had gotten rid of their tables and their chairs. So for some of these big restaurant chains, they actually rented a temporary warehousing. And those are the type of, those are the type of questions that as a young broker, you should be asking yourself when you're reading, when you're reading a, a, a newspaper or, you know, now everything's digital, but, you know, when you're reading an article or a story, uh, dig and go beyond, go beyond the story. One of my favorite stories is one year there was um, a big, lot of snow in Montreal and, and the city, I read a story that the city was running out of places to store the snow. Well, I called my contact and said, I contact at the city and I said, do you need help finding a place to store snow? And uh, he says, absolutely, we need, we need help. And so that, that uh, particular day, I was searching for a place to store snow. Um, and that's just from reading stories, reading stories and, and reading them diagonally. Did you end up finding a place to store the snow? I didn't actually, and I'll tell you why, because uh, snow is very difficult to store um, and nobody wants to, if you have clean land, you don't want snow on it because of the, uh, the residue that's, you know, the environmental impact that snow can have on, uh. on, the, uh, on the land. But this, so despite the covenant, because of course, as somebody who's, you know, if you call a landlord and say, the city of Montreal would like to store snow on your piece of land. They're going to play. They're going to pay. You know the the uh, market rent, and they're going to pay you on time every day, every month. Um, but obviously, you know, we didn't get interest for that because uh, there was um, there was a contamination issue. That is very interesting stuff. Is the uh, you know? But I think it's, it is a great point. I, I also hadn't heard that tip on here before. So listeners, as you're as you're listening, the when it comes, especially when it comes to you know commercial retail serving people in business. The news helps out a lot. You know, the news also helps out when they say, you know, there's a new plant getting put in over here, right? right. So the, the other, there's a, a Tesla might be putting a new plant in at Austin. So it hasn't been quite been confirmed yet. The story broke that it was a certain neighborhood, but then the, the confirmation came back that they're just looking at permits and they still don't know if they're going to buy the land there. Well, that instantly changes the value of the real estate nearby. Right. Correct. So the, it instantly changes, you know, it's a, it's farming to people and saying, Hey, have you thought about selling or not? Or maybe it's telling investors, Hey, go buy up in this area because there's going to be a high demand. Cause there's going to be a, a factory a mile away that, that has, you know, 3000 people working in it daily. There's pros and cons, all sorts of stuff. Like so listening to the news or read and reading the news, but reading it in a way that you say, Hey, how can this, how can this affect yeah. business? Reading it diagonally, like Luciano said, I think that's a great way to put it in perspective. Yeah, and just to, you know, in terms of the, to get back to that Tesla plant. So for me, how I would think is I would say, okay, well, Tesla's coming in. Who are Tesla's suppliers? Who who services Tesla that needs to be near them and needs to be nearby? And to your point, you know, also in terms of the neighborhood that where if Tesla is is looking in a certain neighborhood, then then who's in that neighborhood and maybe is ready to sell or willing to sell because you know time. Timing is everything in, a, in, in our business. Location, 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 and timing are two big things in real estate that I, I, I truly believe in. It's funny. There's a neighborhood in Montreal. It's, it's called the Little Italy neighborhood. And uh, for the longest time, it started to just, it was declining. Uh, restaurants were closing. No one was interested in going there. A block away, they've built a hub for artificial intelligence. You can't get space in that neighborhood now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is so, so quick. I know that the you know, years ago, it was trying to figure out where Costco was going to put in their job. And people, would, as soon as Home Depot would apply for something, that became a good city to invest in because Home Depot would invest so much money into figuring out what places were going to grow. 
people would say, hey, if there's a Home Depot getting put in, you want to go invest in real estate in that city because that city's strong. So there are, there are all sorts of news out there that can impact, you know, yeah. kind of future. It's, it's getting to tag along with the research that they've already done, right? So if you, if, you, if you can't pay a team like Home Depot can, just go where they go. And, and just to be clear, I don't only read the business section, right? I read, uh, I read the sports section. I read the, uh, the, politi- you know, the political section and the city news because all of that, all of that affects, affects what's, you know, just what's going on and what's going on in your city. So if you're, if you're, if you're serious about uh, doing business in your city and you want to understand uh, the ins and outs of, of, of what's going on, I think that's the, that's the, best, that's the best way. So how many people work at Cushman Wakefield in Montreal and what, what sort of volume are you guys doing? So we're over, uh, we're over 50 people in Montreal and uh, we are basically doing, uh, we do office, we do industrial, we do retail, we do some investment sales as well. So we are uh, basically out there uh, and also we do uh, tenant representation, we do agency work, we also do uh, project management valuations and advisory services and asset management so we're really a, a one-stop shop in terms of full service brokerage so we don't only do transactional but we also have uh, consulting uh, services and service lines that help our help our clients yeah well the you know it, it's it's really interesting to get a perspective from canada and a perspective from from montreal about what's happening in business and from people that are you know it's a lot of people like i said a lot at the beginning a lot of people talk about commercial and how hard commercial has been getting hit and the different things. And it sounds like the government in Canada has done, has taken a very different approach so far to the government here. Um, but one of the interesting points that I, I you know, heard from you today that I, that, I, that I hadn't heard previously that makes a lot of sense is the idea of, you know, people working from home. So a lot of businesses now are going to work from home all the time. But as far as, you know, getting seen and getting promoted and, you know, you can be the one that works the hardest at home and you're going to get, you know, promoted that way. But, but in really, really big businesses, uh, it will be difficult for people that work remotely and just do a one-hour daily stand-up to actually, you know, move through the ranks. So I, I get that point. I understand that point. I think a lot of businesses are going to be moving to, you know, mostly virtual, uh, but I could see why someone would, because part of me says, why would you live in San Francisco, a million-dollar condo, if you can live, you know, a three-hour drive away and get, yeah. you, know, you know, live for 100000 well, and you know, the other thing, Aaron, is that um, people need people. You know, I, I, I laugh because we, can, we could have all ordered out. We could have all ordered out during the pandemic from our favorite restaurants. Mm-hmm. Except what, what happened the moment we were able to have, you know, deconfinement. People ran out and wanted to go to the cafes and wanted to go to the restaurants and wanted to go and see and be seen and just meet other people because people, people need people. And so I think that's that's an important point. You know, I, I look at my own office. I mean, people want to interact. And the things that are said at the water cooler, as much as sometimes it's, you know, it's just the sports scores or whatever, but that interaction that you have amongst employees and that interaction that you have with your colleagues is what makes, is what makes the environment and what makes, it, what makes it different. I mean, I can't imagine somebody starting a new job in a new company during this pandemic how hard it must be for them to feel like they're part of something because short term, it must be very frustrating because uh, you just, you don't know anybody in the company. You know, we all, you know, we all know each other right now, but the, the new, the newbie that's coming in, it's hard for them to, to integrate. Yeah. I think it, it's much easier for people to go from an office to remote because they already have their relationships. They already have the expectation. They already have the skill set and the training. 
to actually start as remote. Yes, so much more difficult to be, to feel that same culture. So Luciano, if somebody wants to reach out to you, if they have a question about, you know, real estate up in Montreal or, or want to talk to you about, uh, you know, doing, helping them with some investing, how, how can they find you? They can find me uh, on uh, Facebook. They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Luciano Diorio on LinkedIn, on Facebook as well, on Instagram. And, uh, and uh, my email is probably the best at uh, Luciano.Diorio without the apostrophe. So D-I-O-R-I-O at Cushwake.com. And that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Great. We will have that in the show notes for the people that are listening. Uh, be sure to go, you know, if you're, if you're watching us on, on YouTube, you know, we'll have it in the links down below, or if it's from any of the podcast download sites, the, you know, thank you, Luciano, for coming on here. And listeners, I hope that you guys learned a lot about, you know, kind of some different perspectives on commercial real estate today and a more positive outlook and kind of, a, you know, some opinions from a different side from what a lot of the stuff we've been hearing lately. So Luciano, I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, maybe we'll have you on again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aaron. Thank appreciate you. it. Bye-bye. Bye. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings, and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million-dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get, so please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>